What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Hello and welcome to Mission Daily. This is VP of Operations, Albert Chow. On today's episode, I sit down with Andy Fonsik, CEO of Savos. Andy has worked in tech for more than 25 years while specializing in regulation and compliance software. Today, Samo serves more than 7,000 customers, including half of the Fortune 500. They have 14 offices in 10 countries worldwide. Listen more to find out how the world of tax is a lot more exciting than you might think. Mission Daily is created by our team at mission.org. Welcome, everybody. My name is Albert, VP of Operations with Mission.org. And today on the show, CEO of Sovos, Andy, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, glad to join. Awesome. So tell us a little bit about what Sovos is, what you guys do, and talk a little bit about your mantra or your motto product. And I know it's when you're headlined uh, LinkedIn cover photos. Okay. Well, uh, Sovos is a company that really got started 40 years ago solving for sales tax in the United States. Uh, Since that time, we had acquired that business and acquired others so that we could have a a complete and continuous connected solution for modern tax. The way to think about that is tax compliance for businesses to mitigate the risk of tax compliance as well as take away some of the burden of. We've been at this myself for about seven years and building a company that can really solve for this uh, across the entire world and all those places, operations that companies have. One of the interesting things I think about B2B software, uh, what I would call traditionally B2B or the like more back of house uh, accounting software, ERP software is most people don't really know how big or how large these companies are. When I was doing my homework, I was surprised to hear Sovos is quite large. Could you kind of give everyone a size and scale of operation? Yeah, sure, sure. We're currently about 1,300 employees. We are spread out all over the world. We have 14 offices. We're in 10 different countries. And we are serving over 7,000 clients who are operating all over the world. 7,000 customers. That is a lot. And how many team members, again, did you say that work at Sovos? We have over 1,300 employees working all over the world. We currently are in four different parts of the world or continents, uh, including an uh, an office in Istanbul, uh, many offices in Latin America and in North America, as well as Europe. And to my understanding also, Sovis has grown through a lot of acquisitions. So the company has acquired companies to grow to the size that it is today. Yeah, I think there's two ways we grow. One is through M&A, which is one way for us to make sure that we're building out our solution as quickly as possible, this kind of global solution for modern tax. Uh, It also allows us to expand our geographic footprint so we can be closer to the regulatory compliance uh, parts of the world that we operate. It allows us to get closer to where our customers are operating all over the world. We also, though, have all kinds of means to grow organically. Uh, For instance, recently Italy changed their rules around taxes for businesses and how you need to remit that data. 
and uh, we basically used our current platform and our know-how and knowledge to build a whole new application for Italy for all our clients to operate in that part of the world. So this is where it gets really fascinating, right? So you're a global company. I, I think it's fair to say that every single year your product has to materially change because tax laws change everywhere. You know, global company, worldwide tax compliance, you're at the top of it all. So how does one go about operating a company this size and scale? Certainly company culture has to be a, a serious focus for you to, to make sure that everyone in the organization can execute the Sobos mission. Yeah, and that's where it gets tricky, right? Because we are dealing and working with folks who are all over the world. So they have different backgrounds, experiences, uh, culture, language, time differences. And so how do you pull that all together and get real alignment and clarity around the way we want to behave, regardless of where we are in the world? So we do believe in having a shared set of values. Uh, call that a way of behaving. And it's really important for us to make sure that that's well communicated, over communicated. When we acquire companies, we make sure that we do our best to communicate our standards and norms for behavior. And frankly, we're not tolerant of anything that operates, any kind of behaviors that operate outside of our norms and standards. The only way we're gonna make this work is that we have to have the same set of values wherever we operate. We have to use the same practices and business principles and vernacular. Otherwise, we just wouldn't be able to perform, uh, perform for our customers and perform for the greater organization, all the employees who are counting on us for our success. Have you found those cultural uh, values? They cross borders. Is it the same across borders or have you had to adjust those things and uh, change based on what offices are there? Yeah, I think it's a balance, right? Because there are cultural differences and you, and you have to have a global perspective and you have to take into account the differences between people and people who grow up in different cultures and different parts of the world. But at the core, what we believe is what we believe and what we expect from people is what we expect from people. So can we be adaptable? Yes, we need to be adaptable. At the core though, there isn't a lot of negotiation. It is what it is. It is the only way that we can operate for our customers and employees and make sense of this, given all the different differences between the people we have all over the world. So what are some of those non-negotiable core values that you have that just you have to have if you want to be a good operator within Sovos? Well, one, you've got to be collaborative, right? You have to be able to work effectively and productively in teams and we don't mean uh, let's go sing kumbaya at the fire <laughs> either, right? So we're about challenging. We're about conflict, but it's got to be healthy conflict, the right kind of conflict that causes or, or produces a better decision, a better result. And after that, then, you know, we have to get behind the decisions we make. So we, are, we think collaboration is ultimately one of the most important things to build inside our behaviors, our norms, our company. Otherwise, how are we going to be successful? And we talk about other things like adaptability, which is really being effective during change. Well, our whole business is built on change, right? Yeah. Everything changes and we have a massive number of changes that we're monitoring and putting into place and updating our software and services for. And so for, we tell people all the time, like if, 
if you chose a company where things wouldn't change, it wouldn't be this one because we're in the environment in a business that is built on change. There is no business without change at Sobos. And so we are looking for highly adaptable people, accountable, high levels of personal responsibility, proactive and, and true professionals across the board. Your company's very heavily time constrained. These changes are happening, law and compliance, tax laws and compliance, they're happening. You, of course, have to update your products and services accordingly. Whatever changes are made have to be made. How do you create that, like, I don't know if it's the right words, urgency, but the timeliness of the company as well. You guys have quite a few milestones you have to hit on any given year. Yeah, I think, like, we consider that our core capability, right? So we look for markets where that exists because we feel like, okay, that's actually something we know how to do. This is the world we live in, which is monitoring the external environment for these changes, being able to interpret those changes appropriately to stay compliant, and then getting those into the products just in time. That is our core capability. That's what we do in every part of the world and in every solution we have for any tax compliance situation or scenario that we currently serve. No, that's fascinating. So we always find out in tech companies, there's like a delicate balance between like the design team and let's say like the design team wants the product to look a specific way. Uh, then the customer success team wants the, cu the customer to get the features that they need right away. The sales team's putting the pressure. How do you develop a culture that balances that? Because, because the, the one restriction I think that you have that other companies may not have is the fact that it has to be done by specific time. Otherwise, the software's not going to work for tax compliance. You know, at the end of the day, we consider ourselves to be pragmatic, right? And we talk about pragmatic. We put pragmatic processes in place. And being pragmatic says, okay, let's, <laughs> there is a lot of things we can do. And there's probably a lot of things we should do. At the end of the day, we're going to have to be very pragmatic about what we do. And the underlying thing that we have to do is that make sure that our, our products are always compliant regardless of when the change occurred and when that change actually kicks in. And so that is one layer of something we do every day and live and breathe. And that takes up a significant amount of our development resources. I mean, separate from that, then road mapping and having a vision for the product and then making incremental steps towards it is all about a pragmatic, iterative process. And that's what we use to balance out the nice to have with what the clients are requesting, with what we know we need to have to stay compliant, and then all the great functionality that we want to build as we build out a real modern platform for tax compliance with all the appropriate tax functionality, right? So again, to me, it's about pragmatism, it's about iteration, it's about listening, and it's about striking out a way forward that makes sense given the circumstances at that point in time. No, that makes sense. Well, the one thing that I wanted to bring up was the uh, solve tax for good. So I noticed that Sovos's banner on LinkedIn is solve tax for good. What does that mean? Well, there's, there's probably two meanings to solve tax for good. One means final, complete, <laughs> yep. neato. Somebody <laughs> needs to do it. Why shouldn't it be us? Uh, the other is for the greater good, right? So we had for some time been looking for an opportunity, like a lot of other companies, like, is there something we can do as an organization that would actually create some societal benefit? And uh, what we came around to was solving for a particular problem, which we think has a lot of societal benefit or benefits. And so we have a unique opportunity. See, there's a, a lot of tension, there's a lot of friction between businesses 
and government. And a lot of wasted energy goes into that relationship, if I can call it that. See, we believe that businesses just want to pay their taxes. Small businesses struggle because it's complex. Big businesses are extremely complex. We also believe governments simply want to collect the monies that are due them based on their laws, their rules, uh, their regulations that they have on the books. So what we do is we can think of ourselves as stepping into the breach. That is for the business knowing that they don't have to worry about it. They don't have to expend those resources and mind share on it and can focus on what's really important, their business, their markets, their competition, so they can sustain and prosper for their constituents. From the government's perspective, if Sobos there, it's gonna get done right. It's gonna be accurate, it's gonna be on time. So governments are gonna collect more of the money or the taxes that are due, close their tax gaps, and those receipts find their way into the communities, right? To enable those people to improve their way of life, whether that's roads or services, or having a better safety net for people who need it. So we have this unique opportunity, I really believe, to solve tax for good, meaning that there are benefits that accrue to businesses, to governments, the communities, businesses prosper, communities thrive, and it's a once in a lifetime unique opportunity for a company like ours. No, that's amazing. As a small business operator, I know firsthand have the, you know, my perspective of the pain. My wife was a was in tax for KPMG. So she saw the big companies paying, which of course has borne huge consulting firms to, to solve that. Yeah, well, the difficulty there for big companies is all the cross-border activity that goes on creates tons of complexity. They're operating in every major, pretty much every country in the world. They have some kind of operation. And how do you manage that? Uh, it's near impossible. And that's why KPMG has a really good business. Do you guys focus on like handling all cases for a market or do you focus on handling like the top 80% of cases? How does, how do you guys go about choosing what your product needs to solve for, I guess? Well, I think there's a, a lot of ways to look at that. We do look for very specific regimes and then we try and cover off the determination of the tax, any kind of real-time controls associated with that regime, as well as the reporting after the fact, summary reporting, regulatory reporting, tax reporting. So we really do try and cover all three pillars of tax compliance for any particular regime that we are targeting. In many countries, we are solving for any and all tax compliance and regulatory reporting and other types of financial reporting requirements that are part of that particular regime, right? So in Latin America, we can comfortably say that when it comes to VAT, we have a solution that covers the wide gamut of different types of regulations. And that's really what we really try and shoot for. In a part of the country, in a or part of the country jurisdiction, in a state, in a country, we are looking to cover off any and all of the requirements that are necessary to stay compliant for our companies, our customers who operate in that part of the world. One of my good friends, he he expatriated to Brazil and he talked about how in Brazil, their government has a very difficult time collecting income tax on people. So everything's done through VAT as well. At least he suggested that or a great percentage of it. When you work with international markets, is that something that Sovos does similar to what you talked about for solve tax for good? Do you work directly with the markets and say, Hey, listen, if we work with you, we can help collect tax 
across the spectrum so you can have more receipts to provide more services back to the people. Do you, is that how you go into new markets or is it a different way? Well, certainly there is the ability to establish ourselves as experts for the governments and the regulatory authorities who are trying to put together their own, their own um, frameworks uh, and mandates. Uh, we're an expert because, well, we do this all over the world. And so mm-hmm. we are sought out for advice on how to set up frameworks that allow companies to actually you know, conform to comply. But our, our business is really more focused on uh, the business, the companies that have to comply uh, gotcha. more so than the government. Do we have good government relations? Absolutely. It allows us to advocate for our customers. It allows us to help uh, form the right kind of frameworks and approaches that we know really work in the world. And so we do have a significant set of regulatory affairs and government relationships. Uh, We do, though, serve our business customers, and that means knowing what's happening and what's to come so that they're always compliant and always ready. This is an interesting company, right? It sounds fast-paced, fast-growth, fast-moving, international opportunities. Do you find that Sovos has a hard time recruiting talent? Do kids grow up saying, I want to work there? Is it like how Google kind of has that like sex appeal or arguably, you might say they don't, but some companies have like a sex appeal where people are like, oh, I want to work there. Do you find yourself easily able to recruit talent or is it something that you've explained that, hey, tax isn't exactly what you think it is. It's, it can be exciting. It's fast moving. It's all the things that you might be looking for in work. Yeah. And uh, certainly I've been at many a party when someone asked me you know, what I did, for, <laughs> what Sobos does for a living. And after the glazing over, I recognized that they were sorry they ever asked the question. <laughs> separate from that, what we can talk about is an opportunity to learn, to grow. You know, uh, nearly 50% of our employees are early career people. And wow. what we stand for is let's go get talent over experience. And let's, because we know that over time, talent will pass experience. And we've created an environment where motivated, career-minded people can come to work, get all kinds of challenges and opportunities they might not be able to get anywhere else, and thereby advance in their career. And yes, there's a global perspective. You're going to meet people and collaborate with people all over the world. This thing is changing and changing fast, and uh, we're doing great things. And by the way, we can also do something great for greater society. So we've got a lot to sell. We might gloss over tax compliance and that might go over their heads, but the rest (laughs) of it is a fun place where you can actually get challenged. You can try things that you didn't get, you won't get a chance to do anywhere else and you can really learn and grow and expand. And by the way, if you're motivated, talented and career minded, that's what you're looking for. So let me go back to something you said just a moment ago. You said talent beats experience or will surpass experience eventually. Is that something you learned? Uh, is that something you observed? Or is that something you, is that a cultural value? I'm um, just kind of curious how you came across that. And is it more interested about how you seen it applied, I guess, at Sovos? Yeah, well, it's, it's certain, certainly something that I guess I grew to appreciate in my career. And I think every study kind of says the same thing. Like experience is not a predictor of success on the job, Okay. Now, most companies know that, but most companies are going to go out and they're going to hire 
people who have the requisite experience and is probably more experienced than you need to be successful in that job. So what we believe is that talent always wins out over experience. And we'll say internally, uh, we'll hire for talent over experience until it hurts. And when it hurts <laughs> is when you recognize, oh boy, we've got a lot of people who are in this learning mode and not enough people who are there to teach, right? That's when you know you've overextended yourself. But in our world, we just believe, listen, we can go find talent. We can create the right environment, systems, and practices to support talent as they go through their learning curve. And over time, we will have more success doing that than going out and doing what every other company does, which is hire experienced people. Yeah, I've seen some of these job requisitions at certain companies that have, you know, they'll ask for like 10 years of machine learning experience. <laughs> I don't know if, that, if that's available. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's what we challenge. And, and, you know, you have to challenge it inside our company as well. And so we, you know, this is like a core value. This is a, a belief, a principle. And yet, even in our own company, when we put together a job description, the first thing I look at is not the responsibilities and all the prerequisite skills and such. I go look at the experience people are asking for. And invariably, it's way more than is needed or necessary for the job, right? We just want, hey, we want a lot of experience. It's not needed or necessary. I would say cut back the experience as much as you can that way you open the aperture to a lot more people and that means you have more opportunity to find a true talent in that pool who's going to come in and is going to outpace the person with experience over time 99 out of 100 times how about your attitude towards previous experience depending on the size of company like do you have you noticed any differences between people that come from let's say big multi-international corporations? Do you think they would fit in better with Silvos, or do you find people that are more entrepreneurial, maybe from small businesses, maybe they even tried something on their own? Do they work better for you? Like I didn't know if you've noticed any patterns in um, I guess based based on a person's previous experiences. I think a person's previous experiences tells you a lot about that person, but it doesn't mean that that was the right place for them either, right? So. Uh, but I would say that this is a fast-paced place. Everything's changing all the time. There is a big trend towards digitization of tax, real-time continuous controls, and you've got to be adaptable. You've got to be flexible. You've got to be proactive. And by the way, you know we don't have administrative assistance. A lot of times you get, senior, you get senior people and they say, so can I, I need somebody to help me with this. Well, we're a roll up the sleeves, as my wife likes to say, ring around the collar company. We go do what we do. And so if you came from a big company and you had all, and you were used to having all these resources, you're going to come in here, you're going to be looking for the same and you're not going to find it. So if you don't have the attitude that says, I'm going to roll up my sleeves, I'm going to get personally involved then you can't be successful here. So would I worry about people who come out of very static environments, had been there a long time? Yeah, sure. Does it mean they can never be successful at Sophos? No, I don't think so. Gotcha. Well, it sounds like your recruiting is quite open, like your talent evaluation. It sounds like you invest quite a bit of effort and energy and focus there to find the best people. That's pretty fascinating. Yeah, and we, we do our own recruiting, which is just another thing we believe in, right? So if we're, if we're gonna go recruit, we're gonna go do it ourselves. We have a large recruiting group inside our organization. We have 
a very formal process for evaluating people. We, we cast wide nets because we're looking for talent over experience. And then we set up the systems to support people who come in who may not have all the experience, maybe early in their career, and uh, make sure they have the best chance of succeeding at Solos. Let me tell you something. I'm kind of fired up talking to you. Your energy is unique. I like it. Well, good. I appreciate that. That's what we're striving for. There you go. So, you know, you're the CEO, you're a multinational corporation. You got this fast moving culture you working in, despite what the outside world thinks you're, you're not the way you describe it. Your world is very fast paced, you know, technologically advanced. There's so many things carving and asking for your attention and time. I guess, where do you focus your energy on for operating the business? Is it more culture? Is it operations? Is it pro- like, how do you cut your time? I'm sure there's, there's a lot of demands on it. I know that. Yeah. And lots of room for debate on whether I'm doing that best or not. That's for <laughs> sure. uh, well, yes. I mean, I do spend an inordinate amount of time. I believe anyway, I, that's my, my feeling about it is that I spend a lot of time on organizational issues. People, do we have the right people? Do we have the right systems? Are people engaged? Why aren't they engaged? What can we do to improve that kind of engagement? Yes. How do we differentiate our company so that we can hire the best talent wherever we operate in the world? Are we, are we collaborating effectively across all these challenges that are just born out of a global company? Yes, I spend a lot of time thinking and asking questions and finding ways to create initiatives and programs that improve this being a, just a better place to work. And, and that isn't just for the employees, though that's important because we need engaged, motivated employees. I think it's for the good of our customers and our investors as well. So yeah, I spent a ton of time on that. I also spent a, a lot of time obviously on strategy and, and ideas and yeah, you know, kicking the status quo a little bit here and there, uh, stepping in and, and affecting change where I think it's needed and necessary that comes with the territory. But you know, again, all these ideas and strategies, they're all great, but if you're not executing, it really doesn't mean anything. So the focus is on, are we executing as an organization? If we have the right ideas and strategies, what are we doing to make sure we're executing like crazy? Because there's a lot of people depending on us for success. So you mentioned that status quo portion a bit. I noticed that you also wrote um, some articles on Medium kind of saying not everyone's made for kicking the status quo, taking unpopular stances and further piggyback on what you just talked about executing, let's say a strategy that maybe wasn't popular, but it's good for the business. Do you have any anecdotal stories you can share of that where something was discussed and discussed? Ultimately, people may not have 100% bought in, but the company bought in on it and therefore it actually ended up working out or I was wondering if you could share any of those stories. The first challenge of this type was um, when, you know, I got to look at this market, if you will, this industry for tax compliance. We were doing sales and use tax in the United States. And I had really no prior experience in this uh, industry. But when I came in and I, you know, did my homework and I'm understanding it and I'm listening and I'm, and and I came to the conclusion pretty quick. It's like, you know, this stuff persists all over the world. Um, I, I get we're in the United States. It's a great market. It's a big market for what we do. But why can't this be a global company? Why can't we be doing the same or similar things in other parts of the world? Because we have the core capabilities to execute on a global expansion plan. Uh, at that time, 
you know, we discussed it internally. I'm not sure everybody was up for it. Our sponsors were a little bit skeptical, I would say. And yet, I think they had enough trust and faith uh, that were like, okay, if, if you think this is the way to go and it's important, you know, we'll back you and let's see how it goes. And we started kind of that day, that was probably back in 2014, six years ago, and said, all right, Doug, on it, this can be a global company. It should be a global company. For me personally, it'll be a lot more fun if it's a global company. And we went out and we started that process. But I don't think anybody was thinking that's what we should do. And there were certainly a lot of people who were questioning the strategy. Uh, but, you know, look at where we are now. Tell me what it, that looked like, what that process looked like. Did you have customers right out the gate? Was it a painful learning process? Were there moments where you're like, yeah, let's abandon the strategy? Or were you always thinking, we will make this work? Uh, well, I think for us, it was convincing our investors to make the capital investment to acquire companies. It didn't seem reasonable for us to set up shop in other parts of the world, that is outside gotcha. the United States, and try and do something from scratch. So it was really... From that point, it was very much an M&A strategy. It's like, okay, let's go out and understand all these markets. Let's understand all these different frameworks, regimes around tax. Let's figure out what our core is going to be. And it's all going to be based on kind of what we were good at already. And then let's go find all the companies that do this and let's start talking to people. And that's basically how it started. But we had the investor backing to know that we could put capital to work to do M&A to expand our portfolio of solutions. And that's really how we went about it. We did our first acquisition was a company based out of Amsterdam that was doing VAT for Europe. And from there, we've expanded steadily through um, various acquisitions, as well as once we established uh, some scale, we were able to do things organically as well. So what was that like that first day, I guess? You, was that the first time you had been part of a company that had taken over an international office or uh, had you done that before? No, I had worked for a couple of companies that were international in scope. In particular, one company that did a fantastic job of expanding globally out of uh, New Orleans, Louisiana, of all places, right? Uh, New Orleans, Louisiana, small, privately held company had executed against a strategy that said, what they were doing was applicable everywhere in the world, and they built that company over time to be a truly global company. So I was inspired by my time there. At one point in time, I was running a division that uh, was truly global. That was probably my first real global experience. And what I can say about that is uh, those calls to Australia, you know, <laughs> at one in the morning were tough. But outside of that, it was really rewarding. So I came from a software company. We did not acquire a company, but we expanded globally. So we had global customers, but we were supporting them out in North Carolina for a little bit. It was pretty painful. The uh, calls to Indonesia, calls to Australia, just... Yeah. Not not a lot of leap, not a lot of uh, REMS, right? But, you know, lots of naps, but not a lot of sleep. When that opportunity arose, did you dive in or were you... Was it assigned to you or was it something that you volunteered for? Like, I want to do this because this is a skill I want to learn. Yeah. For me, I thought it was the opportunity... Uh, of a lifetime, really, you know, having really very little experience outside the United States and even regions of the United States in a sense. Uh, but uh, I saw it as a, a wonderful learning opportunity. One, I was like super jazzed about the idea that I would be meeting all these cultures and, 
and um, and I'd be developing this as a background. Uh, it was I'm definitely I'm a career minded pe- person, and that's why I like career career minded people in our company. And how could you you know pass up an opportunity like that? So I was uh, very much up for that opportunity, regardless of what it was going to do to my sleep patterns. There you go. So you weren't afraid to give up a couple nights of sleep to make this happen. <laughs> no, no. That is amazing. And you kind of covered a ton about tax, the changes, the way the world's changing. How about the future? What's the future look like? How does Sobos change in the next 10 years? Yeah, well, that, that's a good question because we have to navigate this global transformation of tax. It's all going digital. It's all going re- real time. 50% of my revenue is going to be gone in the next five to seven years. The products and services we offer today will simply be obsolete. It's just a matter of time. What's going to cause that elimination? It's really all of the summary reporting that's done, regulatory reporting, uh, batch transactions, tax reporting, all fun stuff. But it's all (laughs) done way after the fact. And everything is going to go real time. Why in certain parts of the world, we talk a little bit about Brazil, we talk about Mexico and other parts of the world. We're not waiting for summary reporting. We're not waiting for you to tell us what happened three months ago, six months ago, 12 months ago. We want to know now. So governments are simply going, taking the technology, going through their own digital transformation. We sometimes refer to it as the other digital transformation. Everything is going to go real-time controls. That means All of the products and services we offer that are related to summary after the fact reporting are going to be absolute, obsolete. That's that's going to happen. And so, you know, what's going to happen over the next 10 years is that Sobos is going to figure out how to navigate this transformation and put itself in a much better position for our for our customers, for our employees and for our investors. It's going to be wild. It's going to be a challenge. And uh, it's something that I'm really looking forward to. No, that's, that's amazing. So you're talking about an entire system that's, that's let's say, modernizing. You're talking yep. about an infrastructure that supports an existing system. It has to modernize as well. And then you're at the forefront of this in the technological innovation. What about, well, you mentioned just a second ago, 50% of your revenues are going to, let's say, transform. I don't want to say lose because that, okay. like, that, that would that keep me up better. at night. <laughs> it's going to transform. Better. It's going to come from somewhere else, right? I guess, how are you and your team thinking of it? What's going to be, besides the real-time calculations, where do you think the needs will be? Yeah. I, well, I think for our, from our customer's perspective, they want to protect their investment in their current products and services, and yet know that their partner, vendor, supplier is also preparing for what's going to come. And you know, two, three years I would, ago, I might have talked about this and someone at KPMG might have said, gee, we don't really see it that way. Today, it's just self-evident. It's obvious. The way it's going to go is the way is what you see in Mexico and Brazil in what Italy's doing and so forth. That's the way it's going to go. And it's going to go all real time. So from our client's perspective, they're like, okay, I've got to modernize my own IT. I got my own pressures and that's around systems and IT, Uh, and uh, I have to maintain what I have today because no one's saying it's going to change tomorrow, and at the same time, i got to figure out how I move my own systems and my vendor, my supplier, my partner to make sure that I stay compliant worldwide, wherever I have operations, as things change and probably change pretty fast here over the next five to seven years. 
So that's what we're doing. We're, we're investing in a platform. We call it the S1 platform to modernize the way companies manage their tax compliance. They do their taxes. And our investment is in the platform to support what they're doing today, but making sure that it is outfitted for what is about to come, which we see clearly because we participate on a global stage. That uh, your mantra of talent over experience is going to pay off big time here because, right, like what you're talking about essentially is there is not enough experience for what's going to happen, right? You That's need right. the talent to adapt with you. That's right. We're, we're going on a, on a journey together and there we'll learn a lot, I'm sure. Andy, thank you for joining us on Mission Daily. Before we go, any last words you want to say to our audience? Uh, no, I, I appreciate the time and uh, it's been a pleasure joining you guys today. Thank you for your time. I thought this was really fascinating. And really, uh, I mean it, you're, you're definitely, the way you talk, just I think fi- I can fire somebody up. Like, yeah, I want to I want to follow that guy. Yeah, well, I appreciate that, Albert. Really <laughs> do. All the best. Mission Daily and all of our podcasts are created with love by our team at mission.org. We own and operate a network of podcasts and a brand and story studio designed to accelerate learning. Our clients include companies like Salesforce, they're a customer times five, Twilio, and Katera who work with us because we produce results. To learn more and get our case studies, check out mission.org slash studios. If you're tired of media and news that promotes fear, uncertainty, and doubt, and if you want an antidote to all that chaos, you're at the right place. Subscribe here and to our daily newsletter at mission.org. Each morning, you'll get a newsletter that will help you start your morning and your day off right. Hey, listeners, thanks for tuning into this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It helps spread the word, and I would greatly appreciate it. See you next time.